next Sunday, when Dave Carson comes, is Pentecost Sunday, which for those who don't know, that's uh, 50 days, seven weeks after uh, Passover in the Jewish calendar, and it was already a significant celebration in Israel. It it had two sort of meanings, and I'm not even going to go into all of that, uh, except to say that the day of Pentecost, right after the resurrection of Jesus, is when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and something has changed in the world. It makes me think that the book of Acts is, uh, I mean, every book in the Bible is really significant. The book of Acts is significant because it's a transition uh, where now the Holy Spirit has come and is, he in the Old Testament, you read at times, oh, and the Holy Spirit came upon Samson and he did, did such and such. And the Holy Spirit came upon somebody and this happened. But in the book of Acts, uh, something changed where the Holy Spirit filled and came upon people and remained. And now you had, you know, representatives of Christ scattering throughout the world with the same Spirit in them and upon them that was working in Jesus. Amen. And uh, that's, that's significant, amen? That's pretty dramatic. So the guy who wrote, the, we're not going to look at Acts today, but we're going to look back at uh, the book of Luke, written by the same guy that wrote Acts. Chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 22, I think I'll read to 32. Uh, I'm reading out of the New American Center. And when the days for their, this is, uh, let me just give the quick context. Jesus has been born. If you back up in chapter 2, uh, Jesus has been born. The shepherds come and visit uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus. They see him and they, you know, go away rejoicing and telling everybody these extraordinary things. Angels appeared to us and told us about the birth of the Savior. And um, uh, they go away telling everybody. And it, verse 21 says, When eight days were completed for before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Okay, then verse 22. And when the days for their purification, actually Mary's purification, it was part of the law that after the birth of a child, um, you know, there are certain legal things. She was considered unclean for seven days. And then for 33 more days, there's this period where she has to wait. And then she goes to the temple, uh, if they're close enough, um, to do what is required by the law. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that, uh, sorry, according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I'll stop there for a second. This is, the requirement was a lamb, or if they didn't have the money, a pair of uh, turtle doves or young pigeons. So they're bringing the less expensive of the two sacrifices, probably because at this point, the, th- the Magi hadn't shown up, and so they hadn't yet received those gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Had they had that, had they had the means, I'm sure, they would have brought the more expensive of the um, uh, sacrifices. But uh, provision was in the law. You can bring two turtle doves 
or two young pigeons. Interestingly, they're bringing the very Lamb of God, the one who is the Lamb of God, into the temple. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, um, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you let your bondservant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen the sal- your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I'm going to read through. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. They had heard some of this already, but they're amazed at this guy... who they've never seen before, just comes in and knows these things and says it about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Okay, this, um, it seems likely that this is an old man. This guy has been... Uh, waiting a long time. He's an old man. Um, he's, uh, but he's not just content with the old ways. Uh, he wants the fulfillment of the promise of God. Now, this, when the Gospels come to us, it's called, really, we, we finish the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, and we open the New Testament, and during the life of Jesus, Many call it the intertestamental period. It's not really the Old Testament anymore. The the words are in the New Testament, but what's going on in the world is the fulfillment of the promise. It's in the works, but it hasn't yet been completed. Jesus hasn't yet gone to the cross and been glorified and raised from the dead, which is truly the new covenant uh, period. So here's this old guy who's been waiting around. He's been hanging on. He says, now, Lord, you can let me depart in peace, as though he's been waiting a while. He's, he's been ready to leave, but he has this promise from God. He's righteous, he's devout, and he's been watching with anticipation for the coming of the Christ, which he says, for the consolation of Israel. And if you look in Isaiah, and, uh, in, and again, I believe it's in uh, Zechariah, the word comfort is spoken a few times by the prophets. Comfort Israel. The comfort of Israel is going to come. This comfort, this consolation, this long-awaited promise that hasn't been fulfilled. And the Messiah is going to come and victor- be victorious over, they think they know what it means, and that they think Israel's going to have another golden age. But, of course, the vision of God is much, much bigger. And, uh, and um, Simeon even says, which you have prepared, your salvation, which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples. He's looking beyond Israel already, which is quite a thing. After such a long silence, 400 years from Malachi to this point, about 400 years, 
four centuries. It's a long time. After such a long time, I think it's likely a lot of people were not still hoping, right? A lot of people weren't anticipating. They were probably similar to the Christian church today. It's like, why is God waiting so long? I mean, the generation we live in, there is so much stuff. And you think, God, why would you keep waiting? Like, the world seems to be in great decline. I'm sure in Israel, 400 years since the last uh, significant prophet. And there, so probably a lot of people were not really even anticipating much anymore. And I think Jesus alludes to it when he says things in, when he's preaching and he says, after a while, you might think, oh, my master is delaying his return. And you begin to, he says, carry on carelessly. And, you know, he says, begin to beat your servants and these kinds of things. Like there's just decline because people aren't even expecting the fulfillment of the promise anymore. Jesus seems to recognize that's just human nature. Oh, it's been a really long time. We've been looking back. Eh, we're not even looking back anymore. We're not believing for that. So some aren't believing in Simeon's day and in our day. And they begin to let it slide. Eh, I don't know if this is really going to come about anymore. It's either they stop hoping or get stuck in starchy religion where it's like it's rigid and we're carrying on with all of these things. And you see that in Jesus' day. There were the people who just got worldly and stopped waiting for the promise. And then you had the Pharisees, on the other hand, who just, they made a starchy, rigid um, work of the law and of the, for the people of God and it didn't really resemble uh, what God had intended. It got farther and farther away, and it didn't really look like what God wanted. But in every generation, there is probably in every culture, God has those whose hearts are desire the truth. They want something. They, they know there's something real here, and they're searching, and they're looking for that humble hearts that are hungry for reality. Amen? I hope there's, I hope we're those people. I want to be those. I, I would say, even to us today, be those people that are believing for the truth, for the fulfillment of God's promise, and we're hanging on for it. We're not satisfied with the world as it comes to us, or spiritless religion. I don't want that. I don't want spiritless religion. I want the real deal with God in it and God's spirit in it. Not just a set of rules that I can kind of control and as long as I can check the boxes, I think I'm good. No, I want, I want life in the spirit with God where he convicts, he leads, he speaks, he builds up, he transforms. I want to be one of those kind of people. Anybody with me? On that. Amen. It's okay to say amen or something like that. I know there's only a few of us. I'm convinced that Simeon is who he is by the grace of God. God had prepared this guy. I want to ask for the grace of God. I want to be that. He was righteous. That means he's right wise in terms of his behavior in a worldly sense. His life is ordered aright. He's also devout. He's devoted to God. He's devoted himself. It means, devotion means a vow 
to a deity. He has vowed himself to follow God. I want to be one of those kind of people, righteous and devout. He's earnest. He's pursuing God zealously. He's wholehearted, unwavering, fervent. He's pledged to God. He, he was what, you know, when you hear people say, oh, that person is the genuine article. Or nowadays, I know it's kind of a catchphrase today to say somebody is authentic. It's kind of like the word community. It's really important. It's a good word. But it's almost been so overused that sometimes we dismiss it. Authentic is almost like that. Where, oh, they're really authentic. And sometimes it just means, you know, we're behaving sinfully. And, you know, we're just not ashamed of it. But authentic, <laughs> meaning, you know, we're the, the real deal and we want to be that way. Um, I'd like to put on our website, we are, it's unreal how authentic we are. <laughs> I think that would be good. It's unreal how authentic we are. Um, that'll draw people, I know. Um, but here's Simeon. He's been expecting before you back up in Luke before Elizabeth was expecting, John the Baptist mom. Before Mary was expecting, this guy Simeon, he's an old man, probably before Mary was born, this guy's been expecting the fulfillment. And imagine, he was praying all that time, and it's like, God, reveal him, why are you waiting? Well, because his mom hasn't even been born yet, you know? In the sovereign will of God, Simeon was set and prepared to be what he was. God had set this guy. And why did he do that? I mean, why did God have Simeon on the lookout for the Christ so that then on this day, this particular day, he would come in there and he would see him and he'd have to be this herald and speak it out. I mean, when you think of it, there were relatively few people in the temple. It's, I mean compared to the population of Israel and compared to the population of the world. So there's just a few people that are there and Simeon comes in and he picks up this little baby. He comes and he takes this little baby and he says, okay. in fact, he sees the little baby and he says, oh God, I see your salvation. Like, really? You, you saw that and you saw this? Here's... Here's the salvation of God. Really? Just a little baby. And he sees it. He's in the spirit. God's doing something great in this man. And he has him speak it out just among a few people. And I wonder if it's almost like, of course, it went into Mary and it went into Joseph. They heard it. And Anna, Anna shows up a moment later. She hears it. She seems to be just like... Um, this guy, she's, she's been watching and waiting too. And she comes in and he's still in the midst of his song. And she chimes in about this baby. They're seeing something. God had prepared them. And it's like it sowed a seed in a handful of people that probably went out from there. And, you know, the strangest thing happened in the temple. There was a baby in there. And I wonder if there was a little ripple effect that then 30 years later, this guy comes on the scene and, you know, we had heard about this thing and we dismissed it because even 30 years ago, we heard about a baby being spoken of kind of gloriously and then he disappears and he's in obscurity for 30 years until, you know, and Luke presents it in chapter 3. He comes, he's baptized, the Holy Spirit comes on him and he's driven by the Holy Spirit. He comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit and he preaches on the Holy Spirit and declares the gospel and new season but this here they goes out 
and even this, why would um, Simeon do this? This, this encourages me for us as people of prayer. When we take God's word, it says that all things are held together by the word of his power. When we're praying, I know that often, and I've said it, most of us probably have, oh, for some, you know, in a certain season, I feel like my words are just hitting the ceiling and falling back down. But they're not. When our words are agreeing with this word, even if it seems like there's not much happening, I am, I have been considering this recently again. The the world, the universe is comprised of words. God spoke it into being and it's kept by that word. And I'm now here and I'm praying and I'm speaking out God's words. There's something going on. Those words never disappear. It, I don't mean this like it's magic or something. But this, the, the worlds are held together by God's word. And I'm agreeing with it and speaking it out. And here's Simeon. He comes and he declares God's salvation. If he hadn't done that, would everything have fallen apart? No, I don't think so. But God chose to have this guy come and speak out the truth. And I think something was taking place around there that there's a ripple effect in the spirit realm. Something begins to shake. It's like the kingdom of darkness even. It's like, well, what, what's that you say? And like, And they're listening and there's sort of a foreboding. There's power coming. Something is in, something is at the door. Something is taking place. God has Simeon come and declare this stuff. I think we need to be those people in prayer declaring what it says in here. The promise is true. The promise is true. Have I seen the fulfillment? No, but I'm continuing to speak it out. I'm continuing to believe for it. God, you said it would happen. It's going to happen. I trust not one word of what you've said is going to fail. And I'm going to keep agreeing with it. I'm going to keep speaking it. I'm going, to con- I'm going to speak it to convince me of it, to put my faith in God's word. Amen? I'm going to keep speaking it over you. I'm going to speak it over my family. I'm going to speak it over this nation that so needs Christ, over this generation that needs Christ like, uh, you know, our nation and our generation needs Christ so badly. So here's Simeon. He comes as that kind of a guy, as a herald. And it says, he's righteous and he's devout. But then what else does it say about him? The Holy Spirit was upon him. He's got the Holy Spirit upon him. The same Spirit that overshadowed Mary and she conceived the Son of God. The same Spirit that it a few verses from here, says, came on Jesus after his baptism. The same spirit that drove Jesus into the wilderness, that came back, the same Holy Spirit that fell at Pentecost, the same spirit that is in God the Father when he raised Jesus from the dead. That spirit was upon Simeon, and not just limited to him, but the promise is for us. So, I think Mary or Jesus told Luke about this guy and said the Spirit was upon him. And it prepared him for this, not just a a once-in-a-lifetime event, 
but a once-in-history event, the glorious appearing of the Savior. Uh, Simeon said God revealed this to him. Now, this is that kind of revelation that can't be found in the Bible, and that's a little dangerous uh, because it is, of course, subjective. I would be one of those people, and I hope all of us are, that would say, no, if I don't see something in the Word, I don't believe it's from God. It's there. But when God calls somebody, you don't necessarily find that in a verse of Scripture, when God speaks something. And this is one of those kinds of things where it has to be tested, amen? Somebody comes to you and says, oh, God revealed to me... Uh, something, uh, you know, whatever it is, you want to test it because there's all kinds of foolishness and error. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing happens all the time. One of the great evangelists of the Great Awakening in America in the 18th century, um, George Whitfield, he had a son born and prophesied that this child would be an it was kind of grandiose. I don't know how he, how that all happened. And he prophesied these extraordinary things uh, about it. And it may have been prompted first by somebody else saying something. And sadly, the child died like just a few weeks into his life. And apparently, George Whitfield learned from that that anything like that, I'm going to you know, one, hold on to carefully and have it tested by others that I that he would trust as well. But there's, it is the kind of thing that it can be dangerous. Well, here's Simeon. I hear, if he was my friend and he came to me and said, you know, uh, you know, Michael comes and says, John, God told me that I'm not going to die uh, till I see uh the Lord's salvation, till I see the Messiah. And I'm thinking, it's been 420 years, you you old fool. (laughs) Maybe you heard God, but, you know, maybe not. I'm I'm thinking, I don't know if I believe that. Because I wouldn't have any way, like, why you, out of all people, all this time, sure, you're righteous, you're devout, but God told you this? Uh, Maybe, okay, we'll see. Or, you know, I'm going to be jealous. Maybe I'm the only one that's petty like that. But, gee, how come you have such a great testimony? Why would he tell you and not me? He likes you more or something. But here's Simeon. He hears this. But then he holds on to that. And it takes place. He comes in. It says, the Spirit is upon him. And he's revealed this really important thing to him. And then the day of, it says this. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. Reading about that verse, it says that what that means is that on the day of, he's inspired. Or if you read the King James Bible, it sometimes says quickened. Something was alive. Something was alive in him that today's the day. And I wonder if he thought, really? I've been, you know, maybe he's 80 years old. I've been waiting a long time. And, you know, today is the day? Like, really? And he comes to the temple... And there's this family and this baby. And he sees him and somehow the spirit highlights that's the guy. Interestingly, 
The Holy Spirit did that to John the Baptist. He said, the one on whom you see the Holy Spirit land and remain is the one. He's the Lamb of God. And John even says, that's how I recognized him. The Holy Spirit, he, I don't know how he saw that. Like, what did he see? But he, he witnessed it and he knew it was him. And here's Simeon. He's been praying for his appearance. He's been believing for this, maybe prophesying it. I don't know. But now he comes in and here's that baby. The moment has arrived. Simeon actually sees this baby. He, I don't doubt he had prayed, God, don't let me miss it. I've been waiting a long time. Don't let me miss this. I want to pray, don't let me miss it prayers too. I want us to pray, God, God has brought about revivals at different times where extraordinary things have happened. The, it seems like there's a, a change in the spiritual climate and people come to faith easily rather than the way it... Doesn't it usually seem like you're, you're coaxing and presenting and, you know, and, and we celebrate because one came in and, and that is worth celebrating. But I, a year and a half ago, I read a, a, a small book about the Asbury Revival, a small uh, college town in uh, Kentucky where on a Tuesday morning at whatever time in the morning they had their chapel service and some people came in and something happened. And this, I I think they said the meetings went on for, it, it wasn't like years or something, it was like maybe three weeks or a month or something like this. But from that encounter in there every day they canceled classes this is interesting too it didn't happen across the street at the seminary (laughs) it happened at the college but across the street was the seminary they came across the street to this the chapel in the university and i i believe it was a christian college do you know tim is it it is a Christian college, and they, uh, they, they had these meetings going on where people were coming and repenting. And that interesting that revival didn't just look like, wow, the power and everybody's getting healed. The, the power was that everybody was coming and confessing their sins, opening up, these, humbling themselves, and one thing after another. And then those people started going out all over the country. People were inviting them, and the same thing would happen where they went. It looked like that. I want to be, God, don't let us miss our moment. I would love that kind of a moment. Amen? Yeah. And it, it may get uncomfortable because it may mean that we have to lose face and, you know, say, oh, God, I've, I've been this. And, you know, people opening up and confessing their sins, not just God putting power on us, but coming and our sins getting laid out and released and people going free. I don't want to miss it the moment. And the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to miss it. So let's partner with him. Let's ask him. Show us. Don't let me. I want to have the Spirit upon me. I want the Holy Spirit revealing things to me, like Simeon, and I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be in the Spirit, continuing in Him. I want to be momentarily inspired, and I want a general upon experience of the Holy Spirit. So here's this guy, and I'll try and wrap with this very quickly. Um, They come to carry out the custom of the law for Jesus. But God had something more. 
this child savior represents the end of a whole economy. To that, this day is the beginning of something new. And Simeon comes in, and the law, they came to do what the law required. And of course, Jesus fulfilled the law, but he supersedes it. He brings in a whole new season. And if you read the book of Galatians and you read the uh, third and fourth chapters of 1 Corinthians, it sort of juxtaposes the law and the spirit. And it says this old covenant, glorious as it was, you know, the Old Testament was, or the old covenant was, the law was like a tutor to lead us to Christ. But once we have Christ, oh gosh, it's outdated. It's outdated. It doesn't mean there's nothing good in there, but it's like, okay, God has something new for the people of God. A new economy begins at this moment. They're fulfilling the law for their son, these requirements, but now it's a new day. A new day is dawning, and this isn't just a cool story about a really spiritual old guy. Uh, This is the beginning of this new economy that we're part of. So it's important not to just look and say, gee, I'd like to be like Simeon. I would like to be. But we're in this new season, a new system, a new regime, a new economy, where we're walking in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell upon us. Where Do you remember Jesus saying this when a couple of John the Baptist's uh, followers came and they saw Jesus, and then when they left, Jesus said, nobody... No prophet of the old system was as great as John the Baptist. And then what did he say? But the very least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. It's like he was great in this old system, but in the new system, man, the Holy Spirit upon us, like Jesus said also, there there were angels and kings and prophets of old that longed to see the days that we see. Oh, man, we, we get to have, the, again, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That same spirit operating in him. The same spirit that was there when he was conceived. The same spirit that empowered Jesus, the man Jesus, to do all of those mighty miracles. That same spirit is now for us to walk in to be led by, to guide us into the truth, to empower us. The whole, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? It's like the treasure that's sort of been presented to us. Uh, lay hold of it. We, we would be crazy to just say, oh, that's awesome, that's great. I'll get back to that later. Man, let's take it. Let's uh, do this. Let's close this way today. Let's stand. And uh, if you would like to be one of these Simeon types, let's hold our hands out like this and ask to receive. Next week, Dave Carson is going to share his... uh, uh, Well, I don't think he's just going to share a testimony. He's going to preach. It's Pentecost Sunday, but... Included in that will be his story of the his uh, experience, his encounter with God's Holy Spirit 
that changed him, that transformed him. But let's ask to receive. Let's just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the cross of Christ that qualifies us to approach you, that makes us right with you, that makes us your sons and daughters. Thank you for abundant life and the promise of eternal life. And thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus made. We believe you keep your promises. And we ask you to fulfill your promise. Now, if you want, I want you to just say, God, fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me. Empower me. Guide me into all the truth. Glorify Jesus in me. And through me. Pour out the love of God into my heart. As the word says you'll do. Thank you God for keeping your promise. Fill me Lord. Thank you God. Father I thank you for. Compass Church for the people gathered here. And even now God. I pray that you'd fill. Pastor Mel and Bernie. That you'd. Uh, fill them even in the hospital room they're in right now. I pray for others who aren't here today for one reason or another that you would, by the Spirit, just speak to them and fill them. I pray that we would be those right now that would continually ask you to fill us with the Spirit. Jesus, you said, If we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more would you give the Holy Spirit to those who ask you? God, I pray for a constant, regular, humble asking for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Have your way in us, we pray in Jesus' name, throughout this week. Amen. Amen.